Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. All right, I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. The president is backing away from his words of support for gun reform despite three more planned shootings being thwarted. Thank God. But now... We have a memo that may explain why this president has lost his spine. We're going to bring in one of the biggest warriors of this battle in Congress. Does he have a counter to this newly discovered GOP playbook on guns and white nationalism? Another question. If this economy is the strongest ever, why does this president need another tax cut to juice it? The answer may lie in the potential of a recession on the horizon and the reality of new poll numbers showing troubles on what should be the president's greatest strength. The professor is here to tell us what matters and why. I'm back. You're here. What do you say? Let's get after it. So after the back-to-back attacks in Dayton and El Paso, this president once again signaled he was open to tougher background checks to help curb gun violence. But once again, he's lost his spine. We have very strong background checks right now. Just remember, we already have a lot of background checks, okay? Democrat David Cicciolini rolled out the assault weapons ban of 2019 just earlier this year. He was able to get a single Republican in his chamber on board. I don't say that to minimize it. That's impressive in this environment. So let's get reaction from the congressman. Good to see you, sir. Good to see you. He's backing off. What does it mean? Well, first of all, uh, this is we've seen this movie before. Uh, The president makes statements which seem to indicate he supports some common sense gun safety. And then he talks to the NRA and he backpedals. Look, we know background checks work. Three million gun sales have been denied since the Brady law went into effect, which meant people were not allowed to buy a gun because of a criminal record or some other disqualifying information Mm. were prevented from buying a gun. So we know they work. His new excuse is, by the way, just to factor into your argument, just to factor it in, because that's the point of your argument you're at right now. He says, Cicilline's right. We have plenty of background laws already. Right. The problem is one in five gun sales in this country happens without a background check. So we fixed that. We passed universal background checks. We passed that back in February. It's been sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk. It will fix this huge loophole in the law, as well as the Charleston loophole. So we know background checks work. We just want to apply it to all gun sales. The president knows that we should do something. We sent those bills to the Senate back in February. Mitch McConnell has been sitting on them. He ought to bring the Senate back into session and pass those two bills immediately. I just was reading a memo from the Republican Congressional Caucus that says this is just a stepping stone for you guys for a registry. You want to take all guns to step the confiscation. And if they give you this, there'll be more. Your response? Yeah. 
This is the same argument the gun lobby has made from the very beginning. Don't agree to any common sense proposals. The most reasonable proposals because they're the first step in taking away your guns. It's nonsense. They know it's nonsense. The American people expect us to work together to reduce gun violence in this country. And we're not powerless to do anything about it. We can take specific steps. We've already passed two important bills. We're going to take up three more uh, on September 4th in the Judiciary Committee. And we have many more bills that will reduce gun violence in this country. We can do a better job keeping guns out of the hands of people who are dangerous to themselves and others. And, and, and our Republican colleagues need to join us in this effort. But look, let's understand something. The Republican Party, by and large, is a wholly owned subsidiary of the gun lobby. They spent $50 million on six Senate races and the president's election, $30 million on the president's election alone. They are a significant contributor to the Republican Party, and they dictate well, the gun policy the money's uh, not, to the Republicans. The money's not what does it, though. It's their ability to get people to polls. Because looking dollar for dollar, they're not more impressive than a lot of other lobbying groups. But they get people to the polls. And I wasn't citing uh, gun lobby propaganda. This is an internal memo shared by Republicans where they had an argument articulated when asked about assault weapons to say that you want a registry. And that's how you get away from that question. And when asked about white supremacists, don't go there. Say you reject it, but then say, what about the left? What do you make of that? Yeah. Look, there, first of all, the, the gun registry argument is a complete falsehood. There is nothing in the assault weapons ban that relates to a gun registry in any way. It's an assault weapons ban that bans weapons of war. These weapons were designed to kill as many people as quickly as possible. I'm proud to say we have 204 co-sponsors. It's, full, it's bipartisan now with Congressman King uh, signing on. Uh, when Peter the King. assault weapon ban was Not in Steve place. King. Peter King. Not Steve King. When the assault weapon ban was in place previously, the number of mass killings uh, by assault weapons reduced significantly. Mm -hmm. And we know when assault weapons are used in mass killings, it increases deaths by 62%. Why? Because these guns are designed to kill as many people as fast as possible. These are killing machines. They don't belong in the neighborhoods of our communities, uh, in, our, in our churches, in our synagogues, and playgrounds. They don't belong in communities. But they now belong that you on know. the battlefield. But, but look. But now that you know, Congressman, that they have a playbook, and this is why we keep hearing such an echo effect among the party. I don't know if they're copying the president or the president is in lockstep with them, but they're following the same playbook. And this memo makes it very clear. What do you think of the strategy of saying, hey, white supremacy, say it's wrong, but then say white nationalism is no worse than these guys on the left? What do you think about that and how do you counter it? Well, look, I think we all have a responsibility to condemn white nationalism, domestic terrorism. I think they're conflating two issues here. What we're arguing for are common sense proposals to reduce gun violence in this country. We have a gun violence epidemic, unlike any other country in the world. And there are things we can do. We've passed two important bills that will significantly reduce the likelihood that criminals and others who shouldn't get guns can get them. Mm. Universal background checks supported by 95% of the American people that have passed those. And then we're gonna take up additional measures, common sense proposals to reduce gun violence in this country. And that's our responsibility. It ought to be a bipartisan effort. Sadly, it's not with a few exceptions. Well, now you know why. American people are demanding, they're demanding well, they demanded, that Congress take they action. They demanded in opinion polls. They demanded an emotion when we're on scene. They demanded it at our town halls. They've never demanded it at the actual polls on Election Day. If they vote on it, I it think will, that's changing. it will change. We'll I, see. 
We'll see. Yeah, we'll Chris, have to see. Yeah, Chris, I think see. it's changing. I think people are going to be held accountable. Absolutely. We, we will have to see. One other thing. The idea of a payroll tax, yes, you can say they're juicing the economy. Yes, you can say it's hypocritical if they say this is the strongest economy ever. But tax cuts are impressive to voters, especially if it's pitched as yet another middle class tax cut. What is your thought about the idea? What is your counter? Well, first of all, the tax cut that the Republicans passed with the president's support, a $2 trillion tax cut, which was unpaid for, 83% of that tax cut went to the richest Americans and the most profitable corporations in America. It didn't go to the middle class. And now the middle class is being asked to pay for it. So we ought to have had a tax cut that benefited working people, that, that raised the income of middle class families, uh, but instead went to the richest people in this country and the biggest corporations. So if there's going to be tax reform, it ought to focus on a benefit for the middle class. But we also need to be sure we're generating sufficient revenues to do all the things mm. we expect government to do. You can't give away $2 trillion unpaid for because then the president and the Republicans come back and say, we need to cut Pell Grants and Social Security and Medicare and infrastructure to pay for the tax cut well, we gave to the, the richest people tax. in this country. The problem with the payroll tax is it sounds great to the working man and woman because they know what the payroll tax is very well. The problem is that money goes to pay for Medicaid and Medicare. Where are they going to get the money from? They're going to say they need offsetting Which cuts. Which are also very That's important to middle class families. 100 exactly. percent. Exactly. All right. Congressman, thank you very much for coming on to make the case. Appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you. Now, look, you have to diagnose the politics on both sides so you understand the state of play, but you always have to keep the facts straight. The president lost the popular vote in this election, and it burns him, and that's why he blames it away every chance he gets, most often with this illusion of voter fraud. Remember, he commissioned a panel. They had to disband it for finding nothing. New claim. Google is why he lost. Let's test that with the OAO, the one and only fact finder, Mr. Daniel Dale. Next. So we have this week's episode of Trump Attack Ticks. After tiring of going after me, he went after his Fed chairman and now Google. Here's the tweet. Google manipulated from 2.6 million to 16 million votes for Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. See that 16, 2016 must be true. He then says this was put out by a Clinton supporter, not a Trump supporter. Google should be sued. My victory was even bigger than thought. So let's test it with Daniel Dale. Good to have you, brother. So true, not so true. It's, it's not true at all. I spoke to the author of this study. And is he a study Clinton is, supporter? He's a Clinton supporter, so that, that part is correct. That's true. Yeah, so there, there are various questions about the quality of the study, but even the study's author says that the president didn't describe the study correctly. What the study's author says is that he has no evidence that anything was manipulated, search results or votes themselves. What he says, and this is disputed, is that Google's, Google's search results showed bias, a pro-Clinton bias during the 2016 Meaning what? campaign. So what he says is that he, he got a bunch of people, basically random Americans, to Google various election-related things. And he says that the first page of the Google results uh, were more pro-Clinton on mm. Google than they were on other websites. And there, there are a lot of questions about the methodology that I can get into. If you All like. right. But, you know, the science aside, because nobody really believes uh, polling is scientific anyway, even though people kill themselves to make it as accurate as they can. Here's what's interesting to me, Daniel Dale, is that the president is now ascribing credibility to an infection that he ignores about Russia. 
You messed with the type of stuff that's out there. You colored the perception on different things. You tried to infect the system. He's charging Google with that. But he and his puppets will never acknowledge that Russia doing the same thing would have been a problem. Isn't that interesting that now he's basing this on something that I understand that the people who did the study uh, don't invest the same significance that the president is trying to ascribe to it. But the idea that someone messed with how people processed information, he only accepts if it was bad for him, not if it was good for him. Right. I think we've seen over and over, Chris, the president has no regard for consistency. There are charges that he refuses to accept against himself that he will gleefully make about others when the time Mm -hmm. is is right for him. He will reject allegations against him uh, and then accept them about others in other cases. And so, yeah, he he does what he feels will help him in any given moment. Now, none of that surprises me. Here's what surprises me is that Clinton, Hillary, responded, put up Mm -hmm. the tweet. The debunked study you're referring to was based on 21 undecided voters. For context, that's about half the number of people associated with your campaign who've been indicted. Is that accurate? So what the, what the study author did is get 95 people from around the country to rate search results for supposed pro-Clinton or pro-Trump sentiment. Then he took that level of supposed bias and said, according to my findings in studies about other elections in India, Australia, and other foreign countries, that alleged level of bias would produce this many million, uh, approximately, uh, votes affected in this election. So people who criticize this study say, well, you can't just take the results in like an Indian legislative election and apply them to the 2016 American election. If you're going to assess how votes were affected, you have to ask people people how their votes were affected. Well, methodologically, it's not apples to apples. But also in terms of sample, you would have to uh, approach the sample with whether or not they changed outcome based on that. Right. And the the study author says that even he has no evidence that anything was Mm. deliberately manipulated. He says this might well have been unconscious bias on the part of the people who wrote. So interesting. I guarantee you. If it hasn't been done already, somebody is going to get people together and do the exact same thing, showing them things that were written during the campaign that were BS from troll farms. Mm. And the president, I will bet you lunch anywhere, will reject the methodology and the findings. Daniel Dale, thank you very much for helping us keep the facts straight. Appreciate it. Now, you may remember, everybody, the president wanted Muslim and brown skinned congresswomen out of this country. Then he helped get them banned from entering another country. Today, we heard from two of those political opponents. Is this about unity with Israel or the darkest kind of division? That is the starting point for a great debate. Two great. It's not unusual to hear an American politician say that they are pro-Israel or stand with Israel. It's certainly not unusual to hear this president say it. But in this case, with these two Democratic congresswomen, We have to look at it a little bit more deeply. And we have to listen to what the two Democratic women said in their answer today. Listen to this. It is unfortunate that Prime Minister Netanyahu has apparently taken a page out of Trump's book and even direction from Trump to deny this opportunity. The Muslim community and the Jewish community are being othered and made into the boogeyman by this administration. Now, the president says this is about being pro, pro pro-Israel, pro-Jewish. These two say, no, it's all about anti, anti anti-Muslim, anti-brown people and anti-women. 
Let's use this as a start of tonight's great debate with Angela Rye and Patrick Griffin. It's good to have you both on the show. Patrick, what do you think of that premise uh, that this is about the president using two people who he loves to make the face of the Democratic Party because it helps divide us and them. And that's what's motivating him going after them about Israel. Chris, I, I, I will tell you that uh, Donald Trump should go play the lottery. The fact that he has drawn these two women, these four women, the squad, if you will, and has been able to paint them as the progressive leftist left of the Democratic Party, the guy should play the lottery. Why? I mean, you can't get luckier than this. Why is because it lucky that they're Muslim election, and brown? Because, no, Chris, not, no, come on, not, not at all. This has to do with come the on. fact I mean, that's the only thing that, that seems obvious to me. What's obvious? The far things that these folks stand for are not going to work in swing states in this country. It's precisely why Donald Trump will cruise again to maybe a very narrow election victory, but he's going to win. This stuff doesn't sell with most people outside of Manhattan, Los Angeles, mm. and parts right. of so New Patrick, York. So, Patrick, let's it just take doesn't. a look at this stuff, and I'll bounce it to Angela. But just as a point of order here, in terms of wanting to posture himself as a way that shows an affinity to or an allegiance with and a protection of Jewish people or Jewish Americans, let's just put up on the screen what he hasn't talked about while he's been talking about Tlaib and Omar. He didn't mention the guy who tried to run down a bunch of Jewish people and hurt people over the weekend. He's downplayed the threat of white nationalism. He says not a big deal, even though those are the people going after Jewish people in this country most and doing the most murdering. And he backed off gun control, which is something that would be relevant if you are being hunted by haters like Jewish people are and others in this country. But Angela, Patrick says the president's lucky because of these two, but it's because of what they are selling as policy, not how they appear. Your response? Yeah, I think it's an, a really unfortunate um, time in this country when people who just are seeking greater access to health care are demonized, when people who are seeking um, solutions to the types of climate change that have poisoned small children um, are deemed as radical and dangerous, a day and age where um, racism is, is taken, you know, head on. And they're dealing with the types of issues that have divided this country for far too long, frankly, since its foundation. It is unfortunate that now this is about winning elections more than this is about changing the consciousness of people to ensure that we began to do the right thing. So I will take the squad any day over Donald Trump where they challenge us to be our best selves, where they say occupation no more of Israel and Palestine, taking the same tone, Chris, that Nelson Mandela did before his death. So I'm hard-pressed to understand why this is about winning when the win is not a long-term solution at all. It is about appealing to the worst among us, the worst fears among us, for white folks who are afraid of becoming the minority in this country, appealing to the fears and the prejudices and the bigotry and the xenophobia and the racism of, of, in people's hearts. All right. That is problematic. So this, if this is about winning an election at all costs and, and consciousness and right. the right thing be damned, okay, but I think we have a lot more to well, lose and look, we're I seeing mean, you know, it every single day. It's not unusual in politics for people to play to advantage because they think they're going to win. But Patrick, the idea of whom he's picking, cost? whom he's picking, there are a lot of Democrats who believe the kinds of things that these two do. They just don't look like them. 
<laughs> Chris, we're back to this identity politics. This is the worst kind yeah. of thing. But you don't Trump think that this is a play for him? doing identity politics. They picked themselves, Chris. The fact of the matter is these members of Congress have decided to stand up and speak out for the Democratic caucus. Nancy Pelosi can't even control these folks. This has nothing to do with the color of their skin. These this folks. has everything to do with the fact that they are supporting uh, terrorist organizations in Israel. Uh, but nobody even knew what the BDS was oh, before we started hearing about all this stuff. We need to be very, very careful here. This is unfortunately about, about politics. Terrorism. Politics is about elections. This isn't about Let's terrorism. Let's talk about terrorism. This is about Let's the talk fact about terrorism. That these you know who the greatest women, terrorists are in this country? These two have taken over the Democratic Party, hijacked it from their own speaker. You think they've that taken it over, so Angela? Interesting. It's so interesting that you use the term for the two, the only two Muslim women in Congress. The term you chose to use, sir, is hijacking. Nothing to do with whether they're Muslim hijacking. or not, Angela. Oh, really? Nothing you to do with that. You chose to use absolutely the not. term hijacking. I beg to differ, and That's I right. absolutely I did because they hijacked the party from their own yeah, okay. principles. That's a from real interesting word choice, and you understand why. They hijacked the Democratic Party. You can and talk over me all you want to, but the bottom line is the greatest He's a lucky in guy. In this country, are white men, white men who think like you. That is <laughs> yes, the greatest terrorist right. threat in You're this country. You're absolutely right. It's all because of guys like me. That's silly rhetoric. It doesn't get no, us. No, it's where not. You know, it's silly. The, the fact that you're on was, here, knowing how dangerous times are right now, defending this nonsense, calling people these folks, what, what's talking silly, about they hijacked the silly. party. Hold on one what's second. Not? Let's reset. Let's reset the table. Reset the table. Hold on. What's Angela? When you hold on, just to be clear, Patrick, give me a second. It's not Patrick. silly. There's nothing hey, silly about hello. this conversation. Hello. Whose show is it? Sorry, Calm Chris. down so we can have a rational conversation. You are not saying, Angela, that he is a terrorist. You're saying that the threat in this country is what exactly? It's racist rhetoric and that type of rhetoric fueling the type of hatred that is resulting in white supremacist threats, the increase in hate crimes all over this country. Well, well, on, okay. and hate I take your point. Patrick, why are you shaking okay. your head on this? This is a matter because of fact. This, this is, when you look at the ADL, white nationalists, white sorry, supremacists are three quarters. Hold on, Patrick, let me finish. You can't, you can't, Go listen, ahead. don't make a mistake I make every once in a while. Don't come at me before I finish the point. <laughs> it mitigates the strength okay, of the rebuttal. Ahead. So the idea is this. Why would you shake your head about what you know is a matter of fact? We are dealing with terrorism in this country that is done at the hand of white nationalists, supremacists, and extremists. We know that. They're responsible for three quarters of it. Your own FBI director that the president picked said the same thing. That's the big threat. Why would you shake your head no? You accept all that as fact, do you not? Because, because, because the fact of the matter is we're talking about politics here. We're talking about the fact, you set this up, Chris, that the president has sort of used these particular uh, opponents to define how he sees this election, this yes. political election. And what I'm telling you is, when we get into this kind of rhetoric, that it's all the fault of white males, and it's all it's about not all the fault and so of so white forth. males. I'm, I'm saying Chris, he picked Chris, these I'm women, not Patrick. You. He picked Chris, these Patrick. I'm not quoting Patrick. you. He picked these women. Chris, he refuses he to call women. out white nationalism unless he Chris, says, but Chris, don't forget about the left. He says Antifa must be on the list of terroristic Chris, organizations. He does not say that about neo-Nazis. Why? No, Chris, he says, these women he says have picked themselves. They chose to hold a press conference today in Washington. They decide to drive the Democrat agenda, and it gives President Trump the material, fortunately or unfortunately, he and needs. And you think it has to nothing to do with the fact that she has a hijab on her head and that she's right. Muslim? Has, and brown. I don't believe so. I do not believe that. Well, but let's, you may. Let's, 
I will just tell let's, you, let's, I don't need to believe that because I don't think that's it. She says outrageous you know things, no matter what color her skin is. Last word to you, Angela. All right, Patrick, I take your point. Last word to you, Angela. Patrick, and you know, the challenge here is it doesn't serve you to believe it because it doesn't feel right, right? It makes you a little uncomfortable. And so the challenge that we doesn't have here is you have the opportunity. All, yeah, it, just like hijacking in these folks. But I think the reality of it is very simple. <laughs> you have on. the opportunity right now to do the right thing instead of just choosing what's politically expedient to you. And I challenge you and your colleagues and everybody else who may be afraid watching this program, we're not your enemies. These folks are Amer as American as you. Who, who, they look they, a little what different. You think that I view you I'm my talking enemy, about Angela. the same type of rhetoric that Donald Trump used against President Obama when he was not from but, this country, right? But this, this is, is the one same of the toxic, reasons that this dangerous, dangerous rhetoric. But I'm telling you, it's not right. Angela, it's not I right. take the point, it's Patrick. Right. I take the point. Like Just one point of order. When you say this is why it's escalated, yeah. With this president, he needs to undo the reputation for using race against a sitting president when he knew it was BS. And by doing more of it, it doesn't help him outlive his own yeah. reputation. But I appreciate the arguments on both sides. Patrick, thank you, as always. Angela, as well. Thank you. Thanks. This president, shifting to the economy, says, forget about all this recession talk. He puts out his people, uh, many of them very competent and polished on television. Recession, no, 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 it's not happening. Then why push another tax cut? A payroll tax, which means you'd be taking money away from Medicare and Medicaid. The professor is in. We have Professor Brownstein with the reality of the economy and what is in new poll numbers that makes this president nervous. Next. Are there some new signs that suggest this president's greatest potential strength may become a weakness? The words recession, consumer confidence, presidential competence are all in the air and creating a foul smell to noses in the White House. So just how concerned should the president be? Let's throw three questions to Professor Ron Brownstein. Now, the White House is saying, oh, payroll taxes, those aren't on the table. Oh, but more tax cuts for the American people are. Look, whichever way they want to spin it. The idea that we have the strongest economy, but we may need a tax cut to juice it. Those two don't go together. What are you seeing here? No, I mean, look, I mean, the president said something revealing the other day. He said the consumer, because of my tax cut, is holding up the economy. In fact, as you recall, the principal justification for this tax cut, which gave enormous expensive uh, benefits to business, was that it would uh, produce a surge in investment that would lead the economy. That has not really occurred. And at this point, uh, it is consumer spending that is keeping, uh, you know, the economy in high gear. He wants to juice that further with some kind of tax cut next year. I suppose it's possible that Democrats in an election year could give him a sugar high tax cut with a trillion dollar deficit. It's also possible I could start one of the games in the World Series and I would look at both of those things at about equal odds. Would you be going sidearm if you were to be yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to burn yourself out too fast. Give them the knuckle. Yeah. So let me ask yep. you this, though. Uh, how much of this is about the polls that came out from NBC Wall Street uh, Journal in terms of the optics of the economy? And look, it should be seen as a pretty healthy number, given what his others are. Forty nine, forty six. But yep. with the economy this strong and he's still under 50, you know, reminded me uh, in Brownstein esque fashion, you know, Obama back around 2012, he was at the same approval as this president, around 44 percent. But on the economy, yeah. even though he inherited a bad economy, he was getting crushed. He was at yes. like 20 something percent. This economy should have this president much higher. What does it mean to you? 
Well, look, I mean, in fact, this president has a unique problem. Every president worries about the downside of a slowing economy. That is kind of a, a whirlpool that, that tugs down anyone in the Oval Office. But Trump already has a unique problem, which is that, as your numbers on the screen show, the share of people who approve of him on the economy is consistently higher than the share who approve of him overall. And what True. that means is that, again, in this Wall Street Journal NBC poll today, somewhere between roughly one-sixth to one-fifth of the people who approve of him on the economy consistently say they still disapprove of his overall performance, either because they disagree with him on other issues or more likely uh, because they don't like the way he comports himself as president. Chris, that is unprecedented. We have never seen that level of dissatisfaction with a sitting president among people who are satisfied with the economy. And it is one of the principal vulnerabilities he faced. In, the, in that Wall Street Journal poll today, I believe it was 17 percent of the people who said they approve of his economic performance still say they intend to vote for a Democrat over him in 2020. Nothing like that that has happened before. And it really is that sliver, that slice of voters, the, the delta between the share of voters who approve him on the economy and approve of him overall. That is really, I think, the most the most plausible path for him to reelection. And right now, the vast majority of saying they do not want him for a second term. And that's without them having good reason to go against him yes. on the economy. If this talk about a recession is made manifest in any way, I know he's fighting with Powell. And I got to be honest with you, Ron, I get the argument of Powell having raised rates too much and too fast. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think the president is wrong about that. Uh, but how he's handling it is obviously creating another layer on uh, people's feelings about how he handles things in general. But if Iran well, goes yeah. sideways and starts messing with oil prices in a way that shakes up the economy around election time, if the China trade deal, and let's be honest, China has so many more tools in their bag to handle any tariff situation than we do, then he may wind up having the economy get a shake at exactly the wrong time. And then what? Well, right. And, and don't forget the possibility of a hard Brexit, of a, of a Brexit, no deal Brexit, uh, creating recession uh, in Europe. Look, as we said, any president worries about the downside of a sinking economy. The president has a couple of unique problems. As we said, first, he is not getting as much benefit from the upside of the economy as mm -hmm. presidents usually do, because an unusually high share of the people who are economically satisfied still disapprove of him. And secondly, I think the downside is a unique risk for him, because if it does come, if a recession does come, there will be a lot of neutral voices who will pin it on his own policy decisions, in particular, the escalation of the trade war yeah, uh, with that's China, the problem, as well as the failure of the, the tax problems. cut. This isn't just a cyclical you, vagary that he can right. explain away on something else. He juiced it with yep. the tax cut. People will easily connect the dots on that because it's just economics and math. We know what the deficit is. And now if one of his political gambits winds up creating pressure that creates a cascade event, he's going to have to answer for it. Professor, as always, you've made us better, and thank you. Thank you. All right, now, what should be universally accepted as good news, the NFL season is upon us, has a layer of controversy. Jay-Z just made a deal with the league. Does it make him a sellout? Let's bring in D. Lemon to discuss next. So, Colin Kaepernick is not happy about another big name usually known for supporting him, Jay-Z. Here's what's going on. The rapper and mogul announced a deal with the NFL last week. It's meant, he says, to help use music and football to inspire change, to encourage more social justice. No matter how he described it, controversy followed. So Jay-Z responded this way. I think we've passed kneeling. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's time to go into uh, actionable items. 
All right. Kaepernick heard it and then tweeted this. They have never moved past the people. Let's bring in D. Lemon. D. Lemon, uh, the charge from Jay-Z's side is I'm trying to do the right thing, that it's not just about protest. It's about what he calls action items. And that's what I'm going to be working on. Do you accept? <sighs> not fully. Um, I can see where, if, where he wants to move on, but they haven't really dealt with the initial issue yet. Mm. And the, the initial issue was the kneeling and is the kneeling, and also that Colin Kaepernick has been somehow banned or blackballed from the NFL. So you don't um, have a leader take you onto the battlefield, and then you get rid of that leader, abandon that leader. And I think Colin Kaepernick has been a leader on this particular issue, and I don't think that they should abandon his issue. They should stand behind Jay-Z him. Jay-Z said him. it was never about him having a job. Yes, uh, Kaepernick. It is about him having a job. I disagree with Jay-Z on that. It became about that, but that's not what it was about. He was really about the protests and about getting social justice. So that's what he should but worry if about. But if your leader takes you in the your leader is taking you into battle to do something. If your leader gets injured, injured uh, somehow immobilized or killed, it, it's not that you you run away from your leader. It's not about your leader and what happens to them initially. But that is all part of the equation. So yes, it is about him not getting a job and being banned. If and that's until, a, and because until, that's a manifest manifestation of the it problem. Is. I don't love the metaphor of the leader because I think there were a lot of them. He started it. He was the catalyst. But there are a lot of African-Americans in the league, obviously, who share his concerns, who share his life experience and much worse. They, I think the problem for Jay-Z but, is Chris, there's I, a lot. There are a lot of African-Americans who share that, but they're not right. not at the cost of their jobs. They're right. not still taking a knee. True. They're not still standing up for this particular issue. And I think that un- unless he deals, unless the owners, I think the owners mm-hmm. in someone I had this conversation last week on the show when you're off unless the own the owners in some way and i hate to word that because jamel hill took issue to that word too you is using jay-z they're not they're using his clout in this community well, he's selling over their the issue. clout he's yeah. selling their clout now here's what jay-z needs i need to understand better what this deal is i was trying to do some research to counter you on the points about it i get how it's described maybe he's going to help pick musical talent maybe he's going to help interface with communities maybe that will help inspire social justice reform i don't understand it it seems like it's pay me for my consultancy to get you better acts and mm-hmm. if that's all it is he's going to have a problem yeah well I think he's going to have a problem. Listen, Jay-Z has done some really great things with the community. I respect him immensely, obviously, him and what he's done and his wife. They do really great things for the community. But on this particular issue, I think there is people can take issue with it. And I think it's a fair subject. And I think he should be criticized for it. Um, and I think it should be taken on, which is what you're doing now. What another are you doing? Issue, another issue that we should be taking on. Did you see the New York Times 1619 project that they're yes. doing on race? In the We're literature go- section. We are going to talk about that because there's some controversy. The president's not happy about it. Some of his supporters are saying it's a reflection of him. I don't understand how slavery, them reporting on slavery is. But we shall see. We're going to do some really painful and poignant writings in there for people to pick up on, regardless of the political ramifications. D. Lemon, I'll check with you in a second. See you in a bit. All right. We've got the first closing coming up after the break. It starts with gratitude and ends with certitude about an ugly game that is clearly afoot. What do you say? Let's get after it. All right. No secret how I spent one particular afternoon on vacation. And there is nothing to add except to say thank you. Thank you to all who reached out in person, who sent messages. I appreciate it. That includes Mr. Hannity and Ms. Maddow. They acted as colleagues, not competitors, and I won't forget it. In fact, I'm not going to forget, and I will use 
all of the feedback. Because the key is for us to all be better. And that starts with me. So let me do what we do best here and expose an ugly reality. Here's the argument. Republicans have been intentionally downplaying white supremacy, that it is literally part of their playbook. The obvious question is, why are they doing this? And we'll get to that. But first, let me dismiss any suggestion that this argument is false. Here's the proof obtained by the Tampa Bay Times. This is an internal memo circulated among GOP members of Congress. Here's a sample question. You can go online and get it for yourself. I'm going to truncate for time's sake. Do you believe white nationalism is driving more mass shootings recently? The answer is to give a pro forma condemnation of white nationalism. It's all bad. And I say pro forma because they then effectively are told to own the white supremacists as part of their team by immediately saying, but what about those people on the left? As in, Nazis suck, but so do dot, dot, dot. That but, that qualification of the condemnation sounds like a defense because it is, especially when your the left is bad too defies the facts. Now, of course, there are thugs acting under many flags and all who break the law to advance a political agenda are to be called out, maybe criminals, maybe terrorists. These white nationalists, however, are among the worst, morally and statistically. The ADL says nearly three quarters of extremist-related murders in the past decade were committed by right-wing extremists like white nationalists. So why does the president say he's considering naming Antifa a terror organization, but silent about the same for white nationalists. Is this perverse notion of covering for their side fueling the resistance by Republicans to condemn white nationalists' murders as acts of terror? Not even domestic terror, just terror. I wouldn't even qualify it as domestic and international. It's all terror. Just call it that. The president can't go after Muslims and brown folks enough. Nothing from him Putting these white haters into the mix as terrorists, though. Plenty of going all out to mitigate their impact. Listen to this. You had some very bad people in that group, but you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. He strained. He was trying to make it okay. Why? Because clearly he's about dividing us by race and ethnicity, echoing slurs, encouraging people to use them. Is this memo the cement solidifying this sordid structure of the GOP campaign? If so, then the obsession with Congresswoman Tlaib and Omar makes sense. Female, brown, Muslim. It's like a toxic trifecta for those determined to divide. No, they say this is about standing with Israel, standing with Jewish people here and there. That's why he says he tweeted that members of the U.S. Congress hate Israel and all Jewish people. I think he's looking to divide, not show unity. Why? Well, here's the argument. If you want to support the Jewish people here, well, don't both sides on white supremacy. Call white nationalists terrorists, especially when they are the ones targeting Jews here. Why was he quiet about this? The guard at a prison that contracts with ICE, accused of running American Jews down last week. Why didn't he say anything? The foiled shooting of a Jewish center warranted at least a tweet. No, 
Clearly, this president has plenty of time and inclination to tweet a lot of things that don't matter as much as that, right? And yet, silence. And now along with it, his moving away from trying to help control access to the weapons haters keep choosing. Why back off background checks? Back to the memo. Question, do you think we should ban assault weapons? Here's the answer. The left wants to create gun registries and move toward confiscating weapons and leaving law-abiding citizens vulnerable and unarmed. They know damn well that's no proposition and no proposal anywhere in Congress right now. But it may explain why our president is once again slinking away from what he said. Remember this? Take the guns first. Go through due process second. Take the guns first. Due process second. Then this. I'm also very, very concerned with the Second Amendment, more so than most presidents would be. People don't realize we have very strong background checks right now. Yeah, except for that, about 20, 25 percent of the sales don't go through them. You remember him talking about red flag laws? Now he thinks the only person they should apply to is me. That was one of his tweets when he came after me. He's literally joking about red flag laws when they could be the difference between life and death. So what's changed? You know, I laugh. It would be funny if we're just about cheap shots, but it's not. It's about shots with bullets that keep killing us and our kids everywhere and everyone. And he knows it. He's acknowledged it. But it seems that there's a different plan. We see it in the memo. There's a way to keep power by motivating those of you who are so worried about some of these issues that you are susceptible to being played. Listen to this. We must stop the glorification of violence in our society. This includes the gruesome and grisly video games that are now commonplace. Really? You have these groups that are organizing, being empowered, being emboldened, attacking more. You want to talk about the games? Lots of places have games. They don't have this problem. Now, is this really about the party and that he's copying this playbook? Or is it about his party mirroring what they hear from him and deciding we got to go along to get along? All we know is they're clearly on the same page. The playbook makes it plain. The proof is clear of what they want this election to be about and how they want to play it. This election is truly about what we accept and what you decide to reject. What will you allow to win? Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.